0: Well, good morning, Discover Church. It's so good to see you this morning. Man, isn't that, I love that song, Hell Lost Another One, I Am Free. Man, that was good, that was good. Thank you, worship team, love you guys. Man, it's so good to see you. If you haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Journey, and it's my privilege to be the pastor here, and uh, I'm thankful that you chose to come spend part of your Sunday morning with us. Hey, I wanna give a quick plug uh, we've got a, a lot of uh, newer faces over the last several weeks, and so I just want to encourage you, man, one of the best ways to get connected with people, because I believe that every single person that's looking for a church deserves three things. They, they, they need to be able to, to buy into the vision, trust the leadership, and be able to connect with people. And so one of the best ways to connect with people uh, is to join a small group. We've got several small groups that are up and running, several that have some um, some open slots for you to join in. So go to the website, check that out, uh, and get connected. We're continuing in our series, That Label Doesn't Fit Me Any More. And uh, man, I don't know about you. Anybody been encouraged from God's word, the truths that we've been learning, the labels that he changes? Anybody been blessed by that these last couple of weeks? Man, it's so good. I have been, been challenged. Man, I tell you, sometimes I, you know, I I'm, Part of my job is to come preach to you, but but this really just kind of the overflow of what God's preaching to me, and uh, and so God's been encouraging me, He's been challenging me. Uh, we've been learning the power of labels that that labels give us uh, meaning. Sometimes they can marginalize us. That that all kinds of people give us labels. Sometimes you know people at work, people in the community, people in our family. Sometimes we give ourselves. Labels, But here's what I'm trying to do. What I believe that God has sent me to do uh, in this series for you is to help you understand that the only labels that really matter are the labels that God gives us. Amen. And we've been learning some powerful labels. We learned a couple of weeks ago um, that that we're not worthless, that in Christ, meaning if we have a relationship with Christ, if we we have been saved by him, then we're not worthless. We're actually children of God. And with that comes rights and privileges um, that are associated with that. We learned last week that we're not condemned and that Jesus, even though canceling is a is a really popular thing to do uh, right now in society, that Jesus had every reason to cancel us, but instead of canceling us, he canceled what condemned us so that we can be forgiven. And today I want to talk about another label that so many of us wear. It confronts us in a lot of different ways, Um, and the title of my message today is Unqualified. Unqualified unqualified. This label is a label that appears uh, a lot of times when we are, uh, it appears in all kinds of different ways, oftentimes when we are kind of on the edge, on the verge, on the precipice of of, um, something that we have been anticipating, something that we have hoped for. Uh, Perhaps uh, you've gone through the process of trying to buy a home, and then you find out from the mortgage company, not qualified, not qualified for the loan. Maybe you've been trying to get into a school or you've been trying to get into a job and, and you find out, I'm sorry, you don't have the proper credentials, you don't have the right uh, track record, you're not qualified. Perhaps some of you or maybe somebody you know uh, received some sort of diagnosis and you were hoping to be able to get into some uh, drug trial that was really positive and it looked like things were going well with this new developmental drug and then, and then you got the very unfortunate news, not qualified. Or perhaps you have struggled with infertility and trying to have a child and so you decide to go the route of of trying to adopt and you go through the process of adoption and then you hear that word unqualified. I mean, this is such a a powerful label. It's a label that, that, that means that at some point somebody established the standard. Somebody said this is what's required to get in. And when you hear unqualified, what it means is, is that you didn't measure up. You didn't make it. You didn't cross the bar. You don't pass the test. And that whatever the reasons are for the standard that's been established for the thing that you're trying to be a part of, you didn't cut it. sometimes those things aren't really that big of a deal. Sometimes those things are really, really big deal. And you're going to hear, um, when you hear this label enough, unqualified, 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 eventually what happens is, and this is true with all of these labels that we're talking about, that when you begin to hear this label enough, then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. When it comes to this particular label, when you hear unqualified enough, it will actually cause you to stop taking initiative. When you hear unqualified enough, it'll actually stop you in your tracks and make you throw up your hands and go, what's even the point? We'll never buy a house. That's just a dream that'll that'll never happen. Or or, I'll never get that job. Or we'll never have a child. I'll I'll never get into that school. I'll never be able to start that business and, and 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 these physical implications of this label of unqualified are are really significant but what i want to help you see today is that that everything is spiritual and that just as significant as these physical implications of hearing that you are unqualified there are also in remarkable and incredible spiritual implications of when we begin to believe that when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to the things that God is doing and the things that he invites us into, we will oftentimes hear from the forces of darkness unqualified. And when we begin to hear this, it, it'll, it'll, it'll cause us to, to, to just stop in our tracks. I'm convinced that, that hearing this from, from the enemy, from the forces of darkness, that we are unqualified, that this is the thing that has convinced more Jesus followers to resign themselves to the, the mundane and boring existence that their walk with faith is. That you hear and see other people talk about the exciting things that happen when you follow Jesus, Yet when you reflect on your own life and your own walk with Jesus, it's best categorized as unexciting and non-inspiring. And I'm convinced the reason for that is because at some point we've grown too comfortable or you have grown too comfortable as a follower of Jesus in the label of unqualified, and it has prevented you from the incredible wild and uh, wild ride and wild of inspiration, motivation, and, and encouragement that is the walk of faith that is supposed to be the walk with Jesus. And it causes us to not take risks. It causes us to just resign ourselves to sit back and think, well, God can't use me for that. So I, 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 just, I just won't even, just won't even try. In fact, some of you see other people and you see how they talk about their walk with Jesus and, and you hear them, you know, and you watch them see and witness and do all these incredible things. And, and you hear them tell stories about how God shows up in remarkable ways. And you're sitting there going, man, That doesn't happen in real life. It doesn't happen in my life. So what I want to help you see today is that every single person at some point has heard this label unqualified. But the people that you admire... And I'm gonna say both, both from a, a, a physical sense, maybe it's a, it's a business person, it's someone in your career, uh, it, it's somebody in another industry that you admire. And I think it's also true spiritually. When you think of people that you look up to and admire and respect spiritually, you oftentimes wonder, well, they must never worry with that. I mean, look at everything, look at their track record, look at their credentials. Of course, they're qualified. But hear me very carefully. I, I, you need to understand today that every single person at some level deals with this label. Every single person at some level has heard this label, but the people that you look up to, respect, and admire just chose to ignore it. What I want to help you do today is to understand how to do this, because I want you to see today that you were created and designed for a purpose. Every single one of us, at some level, we want to move the needle in some way. We want to be a part of something. We want to to connect. We want to we want to connect with something that's bigger than ourselves. Nobody wants to go. Well, you know, I died, and um, I, you know, I've got very little. I did very little, and very little amounts to my name. Uh, you know, so I'm really excited. Um, the, the the dash between the day I was born and the day I died—that's perfectly descriptive of the life that I wanted to live. Just little nobody does that. What I want to help you see today is that that desire is actually hardwired in God's word. God tells us in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This desire, it's hardwired into us. The desire to to make a difference, to make an impact, to know that it mattered that we lived and that we were here. The problem is, is so many of us look at things, risks, aspirations, goals, visions, dreams, and, and we, it, it never actually gets the point of moving from our, our head and our dreams to something that is tangible, that is actionable, because we have heard the label unqualified, and therefore we believe, well, I can't do that. The reality of it is, if you're here today and you've ever, if you've ever felt the burden or the urge from the Lord to give something a try, to take a risk, to start a business, to launch a ministry, to adopt a child, to share your faith, and you've heard this whisper, you're not good enough. You're not qualified. Then I have really good news for you today. That the Bible that, that you hold on to, that is, that is one of the anchors and pillars of our faith, is chalked full of unqualified people doing remarkable things in the name of Jesus. I mean, you can go to the Old Testament and think about Noah. Noah was unqualified to build the ark. Homeboy had never even seen rain before. Not qualified. Go to Moses. Moses. Moses was a murderer, he was exiled, he was was wanted by Egypt, and he was hated by his people because they were afraid of him. He had a speech impediment, and he had spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness, managing sheep, and God calls out and said, Moses, I want you to lead my people. Shoot, Moses even said himself, can you get Aaron to go? Because I'm not qualified. David was just a boy, just a shepherd. When he burst onto the scene to slay a giant, not qualified. Let's go to the New Testament where Paul, the apostle Paul, this dude's job, he was like a mercenary for the sake of uh, of the law. His job was to go find people who were following Jesus or who were of the way, and his job was to be like Dog the Bounty Hunter and arrest them and bring them back so they get killed. Now, I don't know if he had the same good looking hair and shades. I don't know. I know he didn't have the incredible biceps that Dog the Bounty Hunter has because, well, Paul was a tent maker. No offense if you're a tent maker. I've just not seen many with incredible biceps. The Bible is chock full of people who are unqualified for one reason or another, yet for some reason God says, hey, I'm gonna use you. You see, that's what happens in our lives, that God at some point calls out to us and every single one of us at some point, God has called your name he says, hey, I'm going to use you. And we go.
1: I don't know if you know this, God, but I'm not qualified to do that.
0: God goes, I know. But watch what I'm going to do. Today, what I want to do is I want to take a look at one particular person that when I think of somebody who is unqualified, they ended up doing something really remarkable. And I resonate with this person in scripture because we have so many personality traits that are aligned. we we'll to take a look at the life of Peter today. Look at Peter today, and I want you to see how God uses this man who was not qualified. What you have to understand is that every young Jewish boy, his desire was to grow up to be a rabbi. It was his parents' desire. It was his desire, and so he would go through a process of training and schooling, and 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 he would have two tests. At some point in his early uh, kind of preteen years, he would have a test where he would he would have to recite um, the first five books of the Old Testament. Now, listen, y'all. Some of y'all have tried some scripture memory. If you have never tried that, I encourage you to do it. It's hard, but let's not complain about it because these little guys were having to memorize the first five books of the Old Testament. And if they did it well, then they would go to the second test. And the second test was a little bit different because now they got to choose the rabbi that they wanted to study under. And so what would happen is, is they would go, if they passed the first test, then a few years later, they would get to the second test. And they would not just have to recite the, the first five books of the Old Testament, they would have to recite most of the Old Testament from memory. And then the rabbi would begin to ask questions. That was like the price of admission for the test. And then the rabbi would begin to ask questions to to begin to understand how this young boy's mind would work. What types of questions, what types of curiosities did did this young man have when it came to the law, when it came to the scriptures? And if a rabbi was particularly impressed, if he passed the memory test, and if he was impressed by the questions that he asked, the curiosities that he asked, when it comes to trying to understand how the law connected and applied to our modern day so that we can understand God and try to figure out how to connect and relate to him and, and uphold everything the way that God would want it. If he, was, if he saw potential in him, if he was curious by this young boy, then he would, he would allow that boy to pass the test by saying the words, follow me. And if you pass that test, then the rest, the next several years of your life, you would study under the tutelage of this rabbi. Every young Jewish boy would have gone through these tests. And what we know is that Peter went through these tests, but we, he, he failed. It didn't work out well for him. He didn't, he didn't measure up. We don't know which of the two tests that he failed. All that we know is that by the time we get to Matthew chapter four, we know that Peter didn't make it. Verse 18 says, and Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, and they were casting the net into the sea for they were fishermen. So what they've done is, is they've gone back to their father's trade, which was common. If you didn't pass the test, you go do what your daddy did. And that's what they're doing. But Jesus walks along. And remember Ephesians chapter 2, that that we're we're all created by God for his purpose, um, that, that God set aside for good works, that he set aside beforehand that we might walk in them. Jesus comes walking along and comes across Peter. And notice what he says, verse 19. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now this might seem strange that somebody would just leave their post. Maybe you think about your job. If I was to come to you, and I'm certainly not a rabbi, but if I was to come to you at your place of employment and say, hey, follow me.
1: If you just dropped everything and left and followed
0: me, a lot of people would be asking all kinds of questions about you. Your spouse would have to have some questions. How are we gonna pay for stuff? Your kids would think you're crazy. But that's what they do. And the reason why they do this is because Peter recognized this was the second chance that he never imagined would have happened. He knew that Jesus was a rabbi of some kind and he knew that when Jesus called, this rabbi called him to follow me, it was a chance that he never never, ever thought would ever come his way ever again. What's amazing is is that in this we see one of the consistent trends of Jesus. It's one of the things I love about Jesus. This is also one of the things that really challenges me. That Jesus never seems to be impressed with people who think they are impressive. Can I tell you something? On a Sunday afternoon when I go home and I'm like, man, I nailed that message. I'm reminded that Jesus is never impressed by people who think they're impressive. Instead, he continually sees something in people the world has tossed out and discarded. In the same way that Chip and Joanna Gaines can look at a piece of junk house and go, we'll do a little fixer-upper on that one. Everybody's gonna love it. We're gonna do so good, we're gonna sell stuff at Target. People be fighting in the, hall, in the, in the aisles trying to get our stuff from Target because we're so good at flipping stuff. In The same way. That's what Jesus. So Jesus does. There's a theological term for this. It's called redeemed. Say that with me. Redeemed. That's the word here. And this is the word that's the label that's given to the, the what Jesus does when he takes something old and he makes it new. What Jesus does when he comes, when he, when he finds us, when we get connected with him, he takes our old life and he makes us new. And he doesn't restore it in the way that somebody might restore a piece of furniture where it used to look this way, but now I'm gonna restore it and I'm gonna sand it and I'm gonna buff it out and I'm gonna paint it so it looks like new. No, what Jesus does is he, he takes something that's old and he redeems it. He, he, he takes it back to like it had never been used before, before it had ever been worn, or worn out or dinged or scuffed or or defaced. In any way, Jesus will take something and he will make it new. Not like new, but new. Second Corinthians tells us, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And this is what Jesus does. And the label that I need you to understand today, that God needs you to understand today, that he gives you, the label that that he exchanges from being unqualified, and he gives us a new label in Christ, he says, you are redeemed. You used to be unqualified. Unqualified. But now because of me because you are a child of mine you are now redeemed. I'm now going to take you and I'm going to I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to take you back to that original purpose that I created and designed you for and you're not going to be like new, you will be new. And this newness that you have has purpose. It has meaning. Peter used to be unqualified, yet unexpectedly, out of nowhere, Jesus comes along and says, I know that you failed the test. I know that you didn't measure up. I know that you missed it. I know that at some level, you brought embarrassment and shame to yourself and to your family, and that you were discouraged, and that you were frustrated, and that your first day on the job following your dad, that you said, I would never do what he did. I'm getting out of this little town, and I'm going to go do something else, You see, Jesus comes along and says, hey, Pete, I know that you're unqualified for what you wanted to do, but I'm going to qualify you for what I want to do through you.
1: That's what it means to be redeemed.
0: Peter follows Jesus for three and a half years, and he sees so many things that he just can't quite understand. Um... (laughs) So many things where he's like, that's not how we do it. And Jesus is like, get used to it. I'm here to do a new thing. Peter, at times we see he gets really bold. He thinks he can correct Jesus. I wonder how those conversations went. Right? Like, like maybe you can think back to when you were a kid. And you know, your mom and your dad were doing something that wasn't quite right. They were doing it the wrong way. And you finally, you know, felt bold enough and said, that ain't how we do it, mama. That's how I would have said it. That's probably not how you would have said it. But again, I'm, I'm, y'all don't know, I'm from Arkansas. And so we just say things a little different y'all do around these parts. That's not how we do it. Jesus, lovingly, but sternly, he redirects Peter. He rebukes him. Matter of fact, one time, Jesus tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now, you probably couldn't have appreciated that as a kid, but if you're a parent, you've thought that. You are not the sweet angel child that I brought into this world. My sweet little angel child would not have said that. Get behind me, Satan. Satan. Some of y'all that grew up in some Pentecostal background, y'all go get some olive oil and just start dumping it on your kids. I anoint you, get out of that baby demon. Y'all grew up Baptist, y'all, y'all just got freaked out. We use oil to cook with, not
1: put on people. Some of y'all new to church
0: going, what are we talking about? Peter gets in the way. And here's the thing that's interesting about Peter Peter was not only disqualified and unqualified when Jesus met him, Peter had this incredible ability to continually disqualify himself by the things he said and the things he did. That's why I relate to Peter. One of his most famous moments of being, um, where he, he, he disqualifies himself, we find it in Luke chapter 22. Jesus has been arrested. He's headed to trial now. And, uh, and, and just before all this happened, Peter makes this big stand. Jesus, I will go wherever you go, and I, I, I want to protect you, and I'm going to fight for you. When they came to arrest Jesus, Peter took some dude's sword and chopped the dude's ear off, which a part of me goes, what are you hoping to accomplish by chopping somebody's ear off, Peter? That's not the most dangerous part of their body. Jesus picks up the ear, like just heals it. That would have been weird to see. Just an ear just laying on the ground. There you go. This is stuff I think about when I read the Bible. Jesus told Peter that night, hey, Pete, uh, that's great. Uh, love that you're so bold, but here's what's going to happen. You don't know it yet, but you're going to embarrass yourself and you're going to unqualify yourself in a pretty profound way because before, when the morning comes, the rooster's going to crow several times, and here's the deal. You're going you're to have three opportunities to stand with me, and in all three chances, you're going to deny me. Luke 22 tells us, verse 54, having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance, not beside him. No, 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 no. At a distance. <clears throat> now, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them, and a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him.
1: But he denied him, saying, uh, I'm sorry,
0: I skipped ahead, verse 56. Uh, no, I'm right, 57. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I did not know him. After a little while, another saw him and said, you also are of them. And Peter said, man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed saying, surely this fellow also was with him for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, man, what you talking about? Other gospel accounts tells us he starts cursing right here. He starts cursing and using, I don't know how they curse in Hebrew, but if I did, I wouldn't tell you. He starts cursing, like, man, what you talking about? I don't know that, blank, and blank, and blank, and blank, beep, radio edit. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crow. Now, I want to pause right here and just, just say, man, if you've ever been in a situation where, like, you know that you totally blew it, and you blew it, when it comes to your faith, maybe it was an area, maybe it was sin. Uh, maybe it was something that God called you to and you just totally missed it. And um, you know, y- Y'all don't have to raise your hands, but I've blown it so many times, it's not even crazy. And, and in those moments, it's like, man, I, I just, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did what I did, or I can't believe that I didn't do what I knew that God was leading me to do. And, you know, like in that moment, I feel not condemnation, but I feel conviction from the Holy Spirit that says I missed it. I can't imagine what the Bible is getting ready to tell us. I can't imagine how Peter felt when what happened happens. Verse 61 it says, And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. I want you to think about this? Jesus is arrested. Scriptures say that he is being punched in the face, he's being spat upon, that they're ripping the beard out of his face. That they're mocking him, they're making fun of him, and and in the midst of him enduring all of this, he is able, because he's God and he's all-powerful and all-knowing, he's able to know what Pete's doing out in the courtyard at a distance, cussing like a sailor, and that would be an offense to a sailor. And in the midst of every face punch, every blow, every yank of the beard that's happening, Jesus knows what Peter's doing. And when the rooster crows, Jesus, while getting punched and beaten and spat upon, turns and looks at Peter and makes eye contact. I know what you did.
1: So the next verse makes
0: all the sense in the world. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. I, you bet he did. I mean, it's one thing to know that you've been disqualified. It's, it's one thing to know that you missed it. It's another thing that while Jesus is in the midst of going through what he's going through, you did what you did. And he turns and looks at you as if to say, I see you. I know you. I know what you did. And you missed it again. see, this message is not just for the person who feels unqualified by something in their past. This mer- message is for the person who feels like they're continually in the present disqualifying themselves. Jesus is then crucified. He dies. We don't know exactly where Peter is when that's happening. But we do know that the rest of the disciples are huddled in the upper room where they took the last supper and and, and because they were afraid for their life, the Romans wanted them, the Jews wanted them. They wanted to kind of eradicate this problem. And so people are scared. Well, what happens is on the third day, these two women, they go to the grave and what was customary, they would go and they would anoint the body with, with, with spices and oils because they didn't really have embalming fluid. And so that's what, what they would do to kind of preserve the body just a little bit. And so these women, they get there and they realize that the, the stone is open and the grave is empty and they see this young man standing in the grave and, and he has this message for them. They freak out and imagine you would not only because the grave is empty, but now this person is there there, and you don't know who that is, and this person is now talking to you, and you've never met them before, but they call you by name. And this person says to them, uh, he said to them, uh, Mark 16, verse 6, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, but he is risen. Amen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him as he said to you. Now imagine when Peter finally heard about this. The disciples finally find out that Jesus is not in the grave. What we do know is that, that Peter and John, they find out about it, eventually, they take off running. I mean, a mad sprint to the grave to see it for themselves. And sure enough, the grave is empty. Imagine how Peter would have felt the moment that he, we don't know when this happened, but the moment where, where the message wasn't just to the disciples, but it was to the disciples and who? Peter.
1: He would have been overwhelmed. He wouldn't have known what to do.
0: Scripture tells us that a couple of days later, G, uh, Peter, they finally kind of come out of the upper room. They 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 they're they're finally starting to show their face again, but they don't know what to do. So what Peter does, he just goes back to what he used to do. You see, this is what the label of unqualified will do for us is that it will it will prevent us from walking forward by faith into the new places that God has called us into and un, being unqualified and hearing the label of unqualified and being comfortable in the label of unqualified. It will freeze us in fear in the things that are comfortable that we used to know. And it's not that God doesn't want us to be mindful of what we used to know, but God is always leading us forward. He's always leading us onward. He's always drawing us closer to himself and he's never calling us backwards away from him. And so Peter is fishing again. And after a long night of not catching any fish, they hear somebody on the shore say, hey, why don't y'all toss your nets to the other side? This is, for those that are married, Like the moment where you're frustrated because you've been working on something and then your spouse lovingly goes, well, have you tried? And in that moment, it's everything that you have to not say what's in your mind. Of course I tried that. I tried that 37 times ago. Do you think I'm an idiot? And that question is why you don't say it out loud because you don't want to know how they're going to answer that. I didn't marry an idiot, but you're acting like an idiot now. Jesus calls out. They don't know it's Jesus. Hey, why don't y'all throw your nets on the other side? They do. And as soon as they do, they haven't caught anything all night long. Now there's so many fish, they can't hardly contain the haul. Peter immediately goes, oh, I... I know who that is on the shore because there's only one person that can cause that kind of miracle to happen. Peter jumps out. He grabs his jacket and jumps out of the boat into the water and just starts freestyle swimming over to Jesus. He gets there. And the conversation that ensues is remarkable. Jesus prepares breakfast. I love Jesus's spirit of hospitality, by the way. He's always preparing things for people. He wants them to be be, be mindful. He wants them to be comfortable because usually Jesus wants to create an environment that's comfortable because what he wants to do on the inside is not going to be very comfortable. This is what happens. In John 21, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Now, I got to tell you a little bit about the Greek here because there are several different words in the Greek that, that are translated in the English as the word love. And what Jesus says is, hey, hey Simon, do you, Uh, Agape me. And this word agape means like this, this loving, unconditional, um, no, no requirement, no questions asked. Absolutely, I'm with you to the end of time kind of love. Jesus says, Pete, do you agape me? And Peter responds, knowing that he's blown it, knowing he can't say, "I, I, I can't say I agape you, Jesus. You see I know who I am I know what I did and I can't I can't do that you know that I can't do that I know that I can't do that so I will settle for phileo love which is the brotherly friendship kinship kind of love Verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. He said, yes, Lord, I do love you, but I can't love you the way that you want me to love you because I've screwed it up. You don't understand, I'm unqualified. I know that you know what I did in that courtyard. I know that you looked and saw me. I saw you see me. You know how little I am. You know I'm not qualified. I lost it. I blew it. I screwed it up. I missed my chance. I missed the cut. I lost it Again. Jesus said, tend my sheep. He's calling him to something. What was he calling him to? Well, Jesus, before Jesus died, he had told Peter, Peter, here's the deal, I'm going to die, and I'm gonna, but I'm going to build my church, and I'm going I'm to give you the keys to the kingdom. You're going to be the leader. You're going to be one of the leaders of the church, which doesn't mean that he was the first pope of the church, by the way. Catholic teaching is wrong on that. Peter was never the pope of the church. Peter was called to be one of the people who would lead the effort of the church he's saying, Peter, I've called you to something. Don't you remember? You remember what unqualified you, but I remember what I called you to do. And Peter, I'm asking you now, do you agape me? And because I need you to tend my sheep. I need you to feed my lambs. And Peter's saying, no, no, I can't do that, but I can phileo you.
1: I love what Jesus does.
0: See, Jesus continually disrupts and disappoints the view of we have of him so that he can create something that's better. Jesus says in verse 17, and he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you phileo me? You know what, what Jesus is doing? He's saying, Peter, I know it. And I know I'm asking something of you that you don't think you can do. I'm asking you to love me sacrificially and I know that you don't think you can do that. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to table that for now and I'm going to get down and I'm going to come to your level. I'm going to come to where you are. I'm going to come to the ground that you understand. I'm calling you to something that you can't quite understand yet. And I'm not going to stand over here and constantly ask you to get somewhere that you can't get to. No, no, no. I'm going to come to you where you are. And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, "To you Love me, and he said to him, Lord, you know all things, you know that I phileo you. You see, Peter was grieved because he moved from agape to phileo. And Peter says, Jesus, I can do that, and you know it. You know the ends of my ability, and I can phileo you, but I can never agape you. You see, Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, I know that you can't, but I'm coming to you. If you'll give me what you have, it'll be enough for where I'm leading you. You see, Peter felt unqualified, but he was called. Let me ask you this question. What is
1: it that you've been called to do? What is it the spirit of of the
0: Lord has led you to do? What discipline has he called you to instill? What action has he called you to take? You see, the reality of it is, is that when Jesus calls you, he qualifies you. And all of the labels that say that you're not qualified, all of the things in your past, all of the things that you have, all the things that you've done, they speak this loud language. They speak this loud label over you. But what Jesus wants Peter to know and what Jesus wants you to know is that his love is louder than all of those other labels. And his love establishes something different that you're not unqualified. Maybe you used to be, but in Christ, you're not unqualified, but you're redeemed. And what he's saying is that there is nothing that... That is so dark, no past that is so bad, no thing that you could do that is so terrible, that is so bleak, that is so awful, that is so atrocious, that the light of Jesus cannot shine through and the light of Jesus so brightly and boldly and powerfully shine through whatever dark spot is in your life and create something beautiful on the other side of it. You see, he's called you to something. All of us as followers of Jesus are called generally to some things. We're all called to follow him. We're all called to stand for truth and to balance it with grace. We're all called to share our faith. We're all called to reach out to people who are far from God, but close to us and tell them about how Jesus has changed our life. The songs that we sang today about how he changed our heart and put our feet on solid ground. We're called to tell people about that. We're called to serve people. We're called to live generously. We're called to to love people who are unlovable we're all called to that but i'm asking the question today because i'm trusting that we all understand this that we're all called to do this and so what i feel the spirit of god is asking me to ask you today what's the specific thing that he's called you to do has he called you to start a small group has he called you to start a business to start a church Has he called you not to just generally share your faith, but is there a person that comes to mind? Even right now, I believe the spirit of God would put someone in your mind that God is calling you to love and to serve and to pray for so that you can share your faith so that they can know about the God who died for them. So I'm asking you, what are you called to do? You say, I don't don't understand this. I I don't understand this whole called thing. How am I supposed to make sense of that? Well, I can tell you what it looked like for me. I can tell you I never wanted to be a, a lead pastor of a church. I thought, and I listened to a lot of labels as I was growing up in ministry, that, that uh, I wasn't wired for it. I'm not wired to, to, to be the kind of pastor that most people want their pastor to be. I thought for the longest time I would be like an associate pastor kind of in Chris's role or an executive pastor or something like that because I'm a systems, uh, task-oriented kind of person, and, 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 and I, I felt unqualified that my wiring unqualified me to be the pastor of a church. I for sure never thought I would start a church. Oh, heck no. But here's what it looked like for me. That the call of God began to call me to do something even though that my credentials didn't necessarily make sense to do it. There were certain things about my past, certain things about my credentials that made sense, but there were certain things about my wiring that didn't make sense. And so what God would do is he just consistently said, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. And it was confirmed as I would read God's word, he would confirm it. As I would pray about it, he would confirm it. I began to talk to some other people that I look up to and admired and sought their godly counsel and godly wisdom. And they began to confirm like, man, I see this in you. You're talking about this. I, I, I mean, I'm not God, but it seems like this is definitely what God is calling you to do and God began to partner that with dreams and visions and ideas and hopes of something that could be and so when it got to the end of it for me I just go okay God I can't shake this I know that I'm called and I know that I'm not qualified and Jesus goes just stop right there I'm not concerned about whether or not you feel qualified I just need you to know that I'm capable to redeem you and then we'll set you on a track to be able to do what I've called you to do See, I'm not unique in this. This applies to you. What has God called you to do? Oh, yeah, you're going to hear that label. You can't do that. You don't have what it takes. You don't have the pedigree. You don't have the credentials. You don't have the wiring. You don't have the resources. You don't have this. You don't have this. You don't have this. Can I tell you, here's what the lie of the pit of hell will be. When it comes to things that God calls you to do, he will always draw your attention to what you don't have. But what Jesus is saying loud and clear is if me plus nothing is everything that you need. I've called you. I died on the cross for you. I've given you a new label. I've redeemed you. So you, I'll give you what you need when you get there. You just be about the business of following what I've called you to do. What has God called you to do?
1: Peter was about to see this whole thing.
0: He said, Peter, I, Jesus, I'm just a mess. Jesus, I was there and I saw you and I denied you and you saw me and and I'm just a mess. And Jesus goes, listen, I know. But if you'll give me your mess, I'll make it your message. And that message will proclaim me to the world. Jesus ascends to heaven. And not long after that, Peter and the disciples are in Jerusalem and Jesus had promised that something was going to happen. He was going to send the Holy Spirit, and this is really uh, the most misunderstood part of the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit comes on a, on a day that Scripture calls Pentecost, and the disciples are there, and it's early in the morning, and they immediately are able to, to speak in a language that they didn't previously study, but it's a known language that other people understood, and so they began to speak this language, and, 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 and it was crazy, and, and, and what was happening was so weird that people are like, man, these people are drunk. Hey, tipsy, drink a little too much of the sauce. Like, no, we're not drunk. It's too early in the morning to be drunk, which I find that interesting. Peter says that, by the way. The only way that Peter could have known that. Amen. And then Peter begins to realize, I don't exactly know what it looks like but Peter has a moment of clarity, and he's finally able to see past all of the things that unqualified him. He's able to look past all of the things that he contributed to to disqualify him from the call that God has put on his life. But he finally realizes that everything comes into line, everything comes into view, and Peter finally recognizes that this is the moment. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches a message. In the gist of his messages, found in Acts 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Verse 38, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. He begins to speak this message and proclaim this message, and people can't make sense of it. The Pharisees and the scholars can't make sense of it. They're like, man, this dude is a fisherman. This is, this is like, he's not qualified to speak like this. He's not educated enough to speak like this. What's going on here? And the Bible tells us that in that moment, 3,000 people in the drop of a hat made a confession to follow Jesus. Unqualified? Ooh. You see, the enemy will try to convince you that you're Unqualified so that you'll never see what could happen when you realize that you're redeemed. The enemy is far more understanding of what you are capable of in Christ than you ever could imagine. That's why he lies to you. That's why he tells you you're unqualified. That's why he brings your past constantly before your eyes. And Jesus is saying, That's a lie. That's an old label. It doesn't fit you anymore. You got a new label. You're redeemed because I've called you to make a difference in this world. Stop focusing on what you're not qualified on and start focusing on how I've redeemed you so that I can take the mess of your unqualifications and I can make it the message that proclaims, this is what I do. I change people's lives. I take brokenness and I make it whole. I reconcile things that have been shattered and torn apart. I take weak, unfeeble, weak and feeble legs, and I pick you up and I stand you
1: on solid ground.
0: In Christ, you are redeemed, which means you are called, you are gifted, and you are qualified to impact this world. So what has he called you to do?
1: What has he called you to do? You say, I don't know. Let me give you some direction. What breaks your heart? What shakes you to the core when you look at this world? Who is the person that you are broken over? What is the relationship that you can't stop thinking about? that has been broken and fractured because of something that happened. I'm going to believe that the way that you answer that will reveal what God has called you to do. And I believe that God has sent me here today
0: with a message that says, stop worried about what you're not qualified to do and start obsessing over what you are called to do. And get comfortable in this new label of what it means to be redeemed, to be made new, to be picked up and cleaned
1: off. And watch what happens when you begin to walk under the banner of this new label. You are not unqualified. In Christ you are redeemed to change the world.
0: As a follower of Jesus, you are called. So the question God is asking you today is, what are you called to do?
1: At Discover Church, we exist to see our city changed by Jesus, one life at a time. If you'd like to take your next step of faith today, text the word FAITH to 816 203 1835 again that's the word faith to 816 203 1835 if this is your first time listening we'd love to connect reach out to us on social media and let us know that you found us through the discover church podcast thanks for listening